This is the Oanda Podcast. You're listening to the Oanda Market Insights Podcast, talking to Oanda senior market analysts across the world. And today we're joined by Craig Earlham in London. Good afternoon, Craig. How are you doing? I'm really good, mate. How are you? Very good, thanks. Markets a bit flat today. Yeah, they are. I mean, they've kind of been flat for most of the last week, to be honest. And the reason for that is, I think, we've got these two conflicting forces in the markets right now. On the one hand, we're coming off the back of a really strong earnings season. And I think that's given investors much more optimism uh, that while we are continuing to navigate the storm, that companies and people are still uh, doing relatively well and economies are performing still relatively strongly under the circumstances. Uh, And then the flip side that is there's still a lot of risk coming over the course of the next couple of months. And none so more prevalent than the inflation and interest rate risk that we're seeing building all the time. It seems that we're seeing inflationary pressures popping up right, left and centre. If you look at the US, you look at that uh, the employment cost index a couple of weeks ago, that jumped to a 20-year high. The US jobs report was extremely strong. The CPI inflation last week, a 31-year high, and it's becoming more widespread. And I think those fears are starting to weigh on sentiment a little bit. So you've got these two almost um, contradictory forces uh, that are that are having quite a significant impact. What that means is we're left in this situation where, yes, it's been quite flat for the last week or so, uh, but it could potentially set us up for a situation right now where we don't see massive pullbacks in the markets. We don't see them surging either. We just see a lot more two-way price action, maybe some more volatility going into the end of the year. And once we start to get more information on things like COVID and whether we're going to see more restrictions over the course of the winter period and what impact that's going to have, then we may start to see things start to uh, move once more. And of course, inflation as well. But that's not likely to become clearer really until earlier next year. So I think there's a lot happening still in the markets right now. But I think we're just seeing a bit of a pinch really in the markets. And the latest data from the UK as far as coronavirus is concerned suggests that we are in a better position than over the English Channel in the rest of Europe. We've already seen more restrictions in the Netherlands and others look likely to follow suit. So it looks like we've got a good balance here in the UK so far. Yeah, the data looks really promising. So hopefully over the course of the next couple of months, that's not going to be one significant headwind. Of course, as the weather turns, that can, that can change. But what we're seeing right now uh, looks really encouraging. Maybe we're starting to reap some of the benefits from the last couple of months in terms of the fact that we are seeing um, more, uh, more natural immunity, perhaps, or whether it's because we... On top of the higher take up of uh, of the double dose vaccines, which we've also seen in other parts of Europe, um, we are also seeing large numbers getting the booster shot. And maybe that's having an impact as well. It's really hard to know. You're always left to kind of guess in these situations. But the data we're seeing quite now is uh, right now is quite promising. And like I say, there's a number of headwinds which the UK economy has over the course of the next couple of months. The withdrawal of the furlough scheme and the other support measures uh, being one uh, higher inflation, uh, being other potentially higher interest rates, uh, higher tax at the start of next year, higher energy prices, higher fuel prices, all of these things are major headwinds. If we can navigate through the winter and not have restrictions on top of that, that will be a massive boost for the economy. And full disclosure, by the way, uh, Craig, because I just had my booster jab, feeling a little bit rough today, but uh, nonetheless, the rollout seems to be working pretty well here in the UK. And it looks like we're on target to give boosters to the vast majority of those people over 50 quite soon. 
Yeah, I think even over 40, um, they're now going to be rolled out to. So that's, like I say, that's really encouraging for those who want to receive the shots, that they can receive the shots. And hopefully, like I say, going through this winter period when you would expect um, when you would expect that the, 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 there would be surges, as we saw last year, which we were warned about in the months leading up to it, then hopefully um, the, the, the more negative impacts of that can be more constrained, which means that people can continue to live a life of no restrictions, which is ultimately what we all want. And you mentioned... Inflation and interest rates, we're what, a couple of weeks away now from the next announcement from the Bank of England. Are markets now thinking it's not going to go up until 2022 now? Well, I'm not so sure. Everywhere you look, it seems to be divided on whether they're going to raise interest rates or not in December. There's only one reason why I think they will raise interest rates in December, and that's a credibility thing. They spent months almost preparing, weeks, months preparing us for an interest rate hike. And when they didn't do it in December, even though markets were split 50-50 on whether they would actually raise in November, you saw the disappointment, the almost the most visible disappointment that we saw in the markets, this question of why have you been laying the groundwork for this? What's the point in all that communication if you're not going to do it? If they then don't do it in December as well, then you really have a communication problem within the Bank of England. So on the one hand, I think they will raise interest rates because they need to almost protect their credibility. And unless we see inflation pull back this week to, to an extent which allows them to change their communication and uh, hold off until 2022, then we do have a big credibility issue as far as the Bank of England are concerned. But I think there's a strong argument not to raise interest rates, being the economy is slowing. It's already looking very sluggish. There are still major headwinds over the course of the next couple of months. And that while inflation is high, there is still a lot of reasons to believe it is transitory, even if this transitory period is going to last longer. And I know that sounds counterintuitive, but driven by temporary factors. And I think they can afford to hold off for a month or two and see how this starts to materialise, especially, again, like, say, facing these unknown winter months with regards to COVID. So the one hand, I think they shouldn't be raising interest rates in December. On the other hand, if they don't, they better start communicating that better soon because they really have a credibility problem. Meanwhile, in Asia-Pacific, plenty of uh, Chinese data earlier on today. Um, above expectations, but that didn't seem to have much effect on markets. Now, it was a, again, it was a bit of a flat effect on the markets. And I think the reason for this is the fact that, we, yes, we saw, for example, retail sales surpassed expectations, industrial production surpassed expectations, but fixed asset investment was actually um, a little bit lower. And that seems to be dragged by a decline in real estate investment. Now, this is a property sector, obviously, that we all know about at this point. We know that the issues they've gone through over the course of the last few months, starting with Evergrande and then moving on into other property firms, uh, potentially defaulting on um, particularly dollar-denominated uh, debt. That's continued to kind of dampen sentiment in, in the sector. We've seen house prices now falling, uh, new, new home prices falling for a couple of months. Just worth noting that the property sector directly and indirectly accounts for roughly a quarter of GDP. So we're not talking about a small uh, a small component of the Chinese economy. And the fact that this dragged down fixed asset investment just a little bit, again, just reminds us of the, the challenges facing the Chinese economy. Even if a couple of these other numbers were better this month, that doesn't mean that we can't see those continue to decline. And the Chinese economy itself is facing numerous risks of, it own, of its own. While the UK has had no restrictions here, we've seen what the Chinese response is. Every time we do see outbreaks there, whether that, uh, no matter how small, no matter how small the numbers, no matter how small the clusters, um, we know that they're quite severe. So there's risk that we're going to see more of those over the coming months. The supply disruptions, higher inflation, electricity outages, all these things are more um, are major headwinds for the Chinese economy. So against that backdrop, 
it's really difficult to get overly excited about a brief beat on in, uh, retail sales and industrial production, even if they are uh, encouraging, because obviously negativity across the board wouldn't be ideal. And what did we learn from the latest Japanese GDP figures? I wouldn't say we learned more than we didn't already know. We knew they were going to be bad. They were worse than we thought. So a 0.8% annualised uh, contraction was expected in the third quarter. It was more like 3%. Um, and that sounds severe, but that is an annualised reading. Uh, but the, it, it was driven by the fact that we did see severe restrictions in China during that period. So markets tend to turn a bit of a blind eye to this. And especially when we're, we're just off the back of the election, we know we're going to get a big fiscal stimulus package. If anything, that weaker third quarter could potentially uh, mean we see an even larger fiscal stimulus package uh, in Japan. So perhaps we're seeing... That's one of the reasons that things that helps investors turn a bit of a blind eye as far as that thing that that's concerned, the idea that we could see a bigger bounce back in the fourth quarter and into 2022. And and restrictions have now ultimately been um, largely lifted. So I think the idea is that, you know what, we're going to see a bounce back in this coming quarter. We're going to see strong bounce back next year on the back of the stimulus plans. So whether it is a 0.8% or 3% annualised decline in the third quarter, it just it doesn't really matter. Um, interest rates aren't rising, inflation's still low, and uh, we're going to see more stimulus. So um, hopefully the, the, the turn of the year, etc., is going to be more promising. And finally, Craig, this afternoon we've heard from the president of the European Central Bank, Christine Lagarde. Amongst all the uh, usual stuff, was there anything that you think worth sharing? There wasn't really too much, to be honest. She's basically alluded to the same things that other central bankers are starting to allude to as well. This idea that just because it's transitory doesn't mean it will be quick. The idea that this could persist for a little bit longer than expected, but they do expect inflation to fall below target over the medium term, and that's all that matters. We could see higher wages, higher inflation. But again, we they think that that will be temporary. Uh, and the one line, undue tightening of financial conditions isn't desirable uh, and would represent a headwind. So clearly just highlighting the reluctance that she, among other central bankers, both in Europe and around the world, are displaying at this moment in time the idea that we don't want to compound the pressures that households and businesses are feeling just because we're overreacting to to temporary um, spikes in inflation, even if the, that temporary nature of it isn't going to last six months, say, as we previously anticipated. It could be 12 months, it could be a little bit longer, but they do think it's going to fall out naturally, and therefore they're very reticent to um, to tighten monetary conditions and uh, exacerbate the pain on households and businesses. So that's really the key message to come across, maybe just the acknowledgement of higher inflation, longer inflation, but no change in the messaging otherwise. Okay, Craig, thanks very much for joining us this afternoon. We'll speak to you again soon. Thank you. This is the Oanda Podcast.